Welcome to In This Direction, a podcast that's focused on sharing the moments that brought people to where they are today. One moment in our lives or a collection of moments can completely alter the direction our stories take, and this podcast is all about exploring them. Because in this direction, there's always a story. My name is Quinn. I am your host, and uh, I'd like to start off again by showing major gratitude to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. Uh, If you haven't already done so, definitely check out episodes one and two with uh, Andy DeSantis of Polyvinyl and Caroline Barola of uh, Clarion Call Media. Today, I am stoked, 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 stoked to bring you episode number three with musician and multidisciplinary designer Todd Goldstein. Now, initially, when I seriously considered launching a podcast, I wanted to initially focus on speaking to folks in the music industry who are more behind the scenes, uh, label folks, publicists, etc. I'm sure I've shared that before. But Todd came to mind when I continued my list of folks I wanted to have on the podcast because I share a similar direction, albeit not nearly as a distinguished uh, in the traditional sense. I first got connected with Todd back in the early 2000s through his project Arms. Uh, I wrote about him on my music blog and even made a drive down to D.C. once to see an Arms uh, uh, house show in a D.C. apartment that I definitely, definitely did not belong in. But he was super kind to me. Uh, I bought a vinyl copy of Summer Skills. They're fantastic. Uh, his fantastic second record is Arms. And uh, it was a really good time. And uh, I actually had no idea when I first got into Arms that he was a member of Harlem Shakes. So he's definitely a real veteran of that golden era of indie music in the uh, in the 2000s. I ended writing my music blog around 2011, 2012 or so, and didn't really keep up as much with Todd's activities, but soon discovered he had pivoted to pursuing a career in graphic design. And as someone who thought he'd be a full-time musician early on and then found himself channeling that creative energy into a career in video, photography, graphic design, I was really interested in catching up with Todd after all these years to learn more about his direction, his journey from musician to creative director, as I've always felt that there's a strong correlation between songwriting, being a musician, and design. Now, outside of his work with Arms and Harlem Shakes, uh, Todd's also done design work for Saturday Night Live, the Spirit Awards, DC Comics, and even music videos for one of his all-time favorite bands, They Might Be Giants. So needless to say, Todd has accomplished a lot in his career thus far, and uh, I was really excited to get to talk to him as a fellow musician and designer. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Mr. Todd Goldstein. I was trying to remember where I first got connected with you, and I remember press releases and stuff about arms. And at the time, I had no idea about the whole Harlem Shakes thing. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I dig this arms thing. So I started writing about your stuff with arms. And then I was like, oh, I, I didn't realize there was a connection there. But what I didn't realize was arms started before Harlem Shakes. Yeah, it was like my that was my first uh, music project where I was like uh, kind of coming into myself a little bit. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, this is the this was the it was like two, 2004. It was a solo thing that I was making on my own in my bedroom and with friends and I think it was right about when I started, when I got like my first recording together and started kind of sent, um, sending it to people on MySpace who friended me. People would friend me on MySpace and I would send them a CDR because uh, I was like, this is a cool little investment. Like I'll throw some money into like some CDR and some postage. And when people friend me on this new 
you know, music friendly social media platform, I will send them a CDR and they'll be delighted and surprised. And uh, doing that was like the way that things started moving for me. And then once things started moving, then Harlem Shakes happened and I kind of set it aside for a little bit. But yeah. Did you, you had a blog. Yeah. So I did this, I did a website called Mixtape Muse. And yes, of course. Yeah, that's right. And you are a good, you are, you are one of the, I totally think of Mixtape Muse as like the one of the coverages of the music that I made that was like, oh, this person gets it and they're a good writer. This is, a, it was a delight. I uh, appreciate I appreciate that a lot, man. I, I, basically, everyone I've talked to was a connection I made doing the site. It, I was actually trying to look up because I remember interviewing you years ago, and I have no idea what I asked you back then. And I apologize. Sure. This is like just me coming in, like, oh yeah, sure. I I may have asked him this question before. I mean, it's literally a different universe now, so you know, I do that <laughs> for sure. Like nearly every circumstance is different. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first? memory you have of like when you really connected with music when i really connected like as a as a fan of music yeah like the moment like for i always think about um i remember hearing uh one arm scissor by at the drive-in on the radio and i remember that came on on the local alternative rock station and i was like what is this and i just completely changed the same thing like the first time i heard band of gypsies by uh you know Jimi hendrix that live record so what was like the first time where you, you heard something and you're just like, there's, this is, this is my universe has changed in some way. Yeah. Um, I think I, a little bit, the, the, the first thing that, that makes me think of is I had a friend in like seventh grade who was, um, like, a an odd, he was like a really eccentric, uh, seventh grader. Uh, and you know, uh, was a, like a, a guitar prodigy and like smoked pot at let's say sort of an alarmingly early age and like you know was like that kind of friend and he got me into they might be giants uh and i remember listening to hearing they might be giants apollo 18 album which is like a very kind of like manic and geeky but also very very um like dark and it has this like specific uncomfortable kind of melancholy flavor and i just remember really connecting with like the feel of that stuff and having it and having kind of like an aura over the entire like strange friendship i had with the like kind of druggy kid when i was 13 you know yeah and i was like and that was definitely when i started just being like a music person that was like that was when i started becoming like voracious and curious and defining my identity with that kind of stuff yeah. Was it was it you became like a very like music fan or was it you wanted to pick up a guitar and start writing? What was it specifically? Or was it just I he he uh, like taught me how to play some drums. So we had started also sort of at like a weirdly early age of putting bands together. Uh, and I because it was just like a fun thing to do. And it was like um, it definitely like connected with all of these things were sort of happening simultaneously, you know. Um, so I think like. I didn't have the feeling that this was a thing that I could do. Um, I think until I started really playing guitar and then just like that really clicked into place. But in those earlier days, I was just sort of like soaking up the vibes of this stuff and the strange, um, you know, slightly dangerous, uh, slightly older than I was world of, you know, uh, culture and music and things like that. 
So yeah. when did you start? Like, was there, where are you from originally? I can't, I can't remember. Oh, I'm from um, Boston. I'm from outside Boston, Massachusetts. That's right. Cause uh, was there a music scene really? Like when you were around that age, like where you were starting bands or was it kind of just like you were just going to shows or what was the music scene like? I, then as sort of as now I've, I've thought of my music, even, even when I've had a like really broad music community, I, I even then I just, I, mean, I was a kid then, so I really didn't have a music community, but I definitely thought of it. It was just like my little thing that I was doing, you know, like I was, I really wanted to have a high band in high school and like tried to play like the other battles, high school battles of the bands that I like lusted after. I was like, this is the ultimate thing to do is like have your high school band, high school battle. Band. So obsessed with that stuff and uh, was aware of there being music in Boston and a sort of underground scene of things. And the stuff that I was into at the time was like, there was a, there was a surf scene. It was kind of like a surf and punk where punk meets surf. Uh, what's the band called? Uh, Man or Astro Man. Yeah. If that makes anything to do with sci-fi conceptual surf music. Um, and I don't know, I just like really gravitated to the weirdness of that stuff. I was very into like a certain eccentric kind of stuff at that time. I remember being told I have horrible taste in music by a, by a, like a camp counselor. He was like, you have the worst taste in music, man. <laughs> what? I, well, it's funny. Cause I noticed you said, uh, I think it was on your website. You like difficult music. What, what, so, so is that like, is that like, <laughs> like a, I like uncomfortable music, I think, but not always. I, I went, I did, went through a long period, like, cause I was uh, a white kid in the suburbs who was playing guitar in 1998. I became, you know, completely obsessed with Dave Matthews band. I had to be, it was, it was mandatory. You know, like I learned every single song. I, I used to be so much better at guitar than I am now in high school, you know, like, and I was just, I was learning all that shit. I was, I was immersed in it. Um, and I moved away from things that would be explicitly difficult for a very long time. But I feel like in my older age, I found my way back to, you know, I don't know. I'm, 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 most of what I listen to now is metal. I got way into metal about five years ago. And, and that's where I spend most of my time. And I like it slow and repetitive and dark, uh, like scarily dark music. That's where I hang out these days. But I feel like in my earlier exploratory time and in my later exploratory time, there's that's where the things have the most in common, let's say. When I hear the way you talk about it, it's almost like there's a certain amount of inspiration that you draw from that. And not to say that like in between those two periods, there was like, there's just nothing. Like Todd was just like, I'm dead inside. I, I feel, but yeah. what is it about the challenge of that stuff, right? Cause it's not straight up pop music. It's not, it's not very straightforward. Um, I've, I personally, like when you mentioned metal, not that they're a strictly metal band, but I've been super into Deaf Heaven recently. Like, I, oh, yeah, they're spectacular. Yeah, yeah. So I feel you there, but what was it about the, the challenge of that sort of stuff? Because it is not like you don't just drop the needle and all of a sudden you're just like, oh yeah, yeah I get this. It's like, yeah, yeah. you got to get into it. It's impenetrable. And it also all sounds the same until you like so many genres, you know, jazz or, or techno or whatever, like there's an idea that you have of it and then you go deeper and you start to discover all the little layers and all the little subsets. And now I feel like I have enough of a familiarity that I can like tell my doom metal from my sludge, from my, you know, death metal, from my drone and whatever, you know, all the different things. Uh, and have like specific taste and where I'm like, good, I like that. And then I'll hear things. I'll be like, Ugh, no, you know, <laughs> I sort of look at myself and I'm like, yeah, all of these things sound almost exactly like, I think the thing that I find I enjoy about challenging music in particular is because I used to be so obsessed with pop form 
and a kind of sentimentality of tone that I still like make. I still put in the music that I make, but when I'm listening, I like, I, I find myself shying away from that stuff a lot. And I like things that push against ideas of sentimentality in music where you have these incredibly, I, the only way I describe it would be sentimental, incredibly unsentimental chords, things that feel deliberately, um, that deliberately unharmonious and chaotic um, aggression that's well beyond your usual association of what is like soulful or meaningful. Like I, I like hanging out in that space because I find it challenging and exhilarating sometimes how some people's um, some people's like creative proclivities are just so extreme and so not about what I'm, what I easily, what I make when I make things. I like stuff where I'm just like, I would never even try to make, I couldn't even imagine how this is made, you know? And I, and that can be something on a technical level because it's so complicated or, you know, electronic music that's really detailed and immersive and confusing or, you know, some kind of um, incredibly, you know, hypnotic and heavy metal, aggressive, loud, screaming, growling cookie monsters and things uh, where I'm just like, I can't even, what drives someone to do that? I don't even know. Um, and I, I love that feeling. And I think I'm always kind of chasing that a little bit. So, so I'm curious, cause like you mentioned about um, like the music that you used to like that, you know, with arms or Harlem shakes and really chasing these sort of pop structures. But then you think about the music that you're really into and it's funny that the way I'm exactly the same way, like it's probably a year, year and a half. I got into a huge like hardcore punk binge, listening to all this stuff, you know, terror, incendiary, all this stuff. And like I anytime I go to like, all right, I'm going to write something like this. Like I love this kind of stuff. And then I go to and then it ends up being this like bad boy, like open chords. And it's just like, yeah, how did I yeah. how did I get here? So. What for you, is it even a conscious thing? Because it's interesting. I think about artists where, you know, they might be in like a super, say, indie pop band, but then they're like, oh, I'm actually a huge Slayer fan. Like, I love Rain and Blood. How do you, are you ever conscious of those, like, those influences, not directly influencing the stuff you write, but because, you know, I'll listen to stuff that doesn't sound anything like, like, I just finished a record. And it doesn't sound like any of the hardcore punk I've been listening to. Have you ever thought about like, how is this impacting the stuff from writing or is it even, even like a thought to you? It's, I, it's one of those things I think more in retrospect, it's one of those things that I enjoy seeing in retrospect more than anything. I'm, I find it there. The biggest time when I was like, I'm going to try something new was when I stopped writing pop songs and I started doing electronic music because that was where I, with, with the last arms record with patterns, I, like I sort of knew it was going to be my last record while I was making it. And then I finished it and it was like the calmest understanding, like no hard feelings. I was like, I think I've written my last pop song. Like, I don't know if I feel like doing this anymore, at least for now. Um, and that feeling has stuck around since then. And I, I haven't, I wrote the last, I finished patterns and I didn't write a pop song again after that with lyrics that was in part because my taste had changed underneath that. And I, and I was like, I, I don't relate to this kind of music necessarily anymore. I listen to tons of music with, with singers and lyrics and all that stuff. I still, I still enjoy it. It's part of my diet, but like, I don't re relate to it creatively. I think I, I got kind of sick of being a, uh, I said all the things that I had intended to say in that, you know, I made three albums that covered all of the bases that I 
felt like were in that format for me. Um, and then I very consciously set about like learning how to go against all of those old um, instincts around songwriting structure and what is a, what is change? What is a section? What is a composition? Like I just tried to dismantle all that stuff really aggressively for a, for a bunch of years. And then I got enough material together that started feeling like it was in the right format. And, and that's when I put out um, closed loop, which is the previous um TG album that I put out. Um, and that was one of the, that was the only time I was like, I'm going to do this, you know, but prior, but once I get into it, I'm just making things. And I'm, and I like kind of seeing a retrospect where I'm like, Oh, I see a little bit of that metal kind of like in the wings or like, Oh, that kind of like reminds me of this thing. Like this album that I love that I hadn't even thought of sort of sneaking in there. Like I like the hidden intention. I like discovering my own hidden intentions more than I, am like being like i'm gonna evoke this influence you know it seems like it sort of pushed you in this direction whether you were consciously aware of it or not but um yeah it's done so much a question it's just it's interesting like I'm, I'm always curious like my own process and then hearing someone else is the same thing where like you listen to something that's total left field from what you were this is in left field left field total left field from <laughs> Maybe far right field too. I mean, you know, far right yeah. field. So to rewind a little bit, so you, you know, you started Arms in like 2004. Yes, I was, and that was Arms was me. Arms was like I was learning how to write songs in a way that was meaningful, you know. And I put my changed that. I made that a pseudonym for it. Yeah. Did you have an intention to try to do it full time? Obviously, the early 2000s was was an interesting time for indie music. Um, did you have an intention to do music full time or was it kind of just like, it's a passion project and I just, it's just here for me. Oh, it was all that I wanted to do. Like every, the only thing that I wanted to be from, uh, you know, halfway through college up through when I was 31 or two was, was a full time, have a band, be a musician. Yeah. Not to skip ahead. So you did, you had arms. Harlem Shakes was 2006. And I think, so that last arms record was 2017. Um, and obviously yes. by, by that point in time, I know that you weren't pursuing music full time. At what point did you decide to, cause I know you graduated from Brown, uh, but at what point did you decide, you know what, I'm going to get my master's and, and why did you pursue the direction that you did? Like what? Yeah. I mean, I think in, it started to go downhill when I realized that, um, I mean, there was a point when I was just like, I, I, it wasn't that, uh, I guess the best frame that, that people like to, the way best phrase that work applies to that is the dream is over. Uh, I think, um, not to like overly mythologize it, but like, I definitely like hit a point with arms has its own standalone band entity that I had been really like um, pushing on uh, really going for it with uh, that. Not only was it not necessarily going to happen right away or even like it being this becoming a full-time job. Uh, not only was it not going to happen soon, it might not happen for a while. And even if it did that I had a specific moment where the, there was a uh, issue of uh, New York magazine that had um, Grizzly Bear on the cover. And it was probably about 2012 or so. And um, Grizzly Bear was on the cover. I had just seen them at Radio City Music Hall and it was amazing. And I was obsessed with 
grizzly bear as everyone in my world was at that time. Uh, and uh, the cover said something like, um, grizzly bear just sold out Radio City Music Hall and their drummer doesn't have health insurance and their uh, singer lives in a 400 square foot apartment. Uh, what is it? What does it actually mean to be a rock star, a rock musician, you know, now? And in it, and I read that article and I actually had several friends where we're all like, whoa, did you read that article? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if this is like a life that I want um, doing this. There was an idea that like, yes, this was a life that I wanted. And I got like a real taste of it with Harlem Shakes, like a nice big, like full, big bowl of what it is like to be a professional rock musician. And it was um, nerve wracking and, and um, chaotic and um, full of uncertainty. Uh, and um, my ego was so wrapped up in it that if things, if I sensed the vibrations that like things weren't happening for my music, it, I felt like it was reflecting on me personally and it was really um, toxic. Um, and so all of that stuff wrapped up into that moment where I was like, I need to find another thing. I think I need to find another thing to do. And I had like a real crisis of self, you know? Um, and then, uh, realized that I, after some soul searching kind of remembered that I always was happy when I was drawing and I took some classes and learned what graphic design was. And I immediately on the first class, I was like, I could do this forever. This is, I, I like knew in it flash. I was like, this is a thing I already know how to do this. I just need to learn the specifics. I need to learn the vocabulary and get my chops up. But like, sure, I know how to do this. I've been doing this my entire life. So yeah. And then I went back to school and now it's my career and there's a lot of other steps in there, but yeah. So, um, it sounds like you had a very similar, <laughs> you also, had, uh, well, you, you as a, as a musician who also does design professionally. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say similar cause I, I wasn't like, I wasn't at arms level. I wasn't at uh, Harlem Shakes level. I never had a publicist. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, you know, we were talking earlier, uh, at least over email about you, you want to be a musician. Like that's the, that's the goal. And then all of a sudden you realize like, I don't think this is going to be a viable career. Like I can still make yeah. music, but it's not going to support me. And so you channel that creative energy into something else. I'm curious when you, when you, what was it about, about graphic design? You know, you were talking about like, you took those courses, you realized, oh, this is something I could do till the end of time. What was it specifically about it that you were like, yeah, this is, I think this is my thing. Uh, the, I just loved the history. I love the history of it. Like right off the bat, like just like flipping through a, a standard, like Meg's history of graphic design textbook. And they have like the like floating world drawings of, uh, of like the Japanese stuff and like, you know, Russian constructivist posters and like, you know, early American advertising design. And, you know, I, you know, any of the, any Bauhaus, any just like this, this, this the stuff of it where I was like, for whatever reason, art history always, I've turned, I was just like, oh, this is boring. I don't know. Like I, I, I love art a ton, but somehow when I sat down in art history, I felt like I was in school. But when I was learning just even a cursory, like dive into the history of graphic design specifically of like applied visuals to, you know, whatever commercial or otherwise means communication purposes. I, I was like, Oh, this is me. I am this stuff. Like I think this way, this is how I've always thought. I was a writer. I, I was a music writer also. Like I didn't. I was writing like reviews for CMJ 
like while I was doing arms, you know, I wanted to be like Lester Bangs and, and like Grill Marcus and all those guys. And, you know, and, and I had stopped because it's for the same reason that music has gotten hard. It's like being a writer also, you know, kills your love of writing. It can be very hard. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, I'm like a language person and I'm a creative person and I know how to draw. And like, this stuff is so beautiful and clever and full of uh, all of these worlds that feel like the way pop music can feel sometimes in, in terms of like realizing a, a system and structure and meaning. All this. You know, I don't know. I just got very heady about it. I was like, yeah, this makes sense to me immediately. And I have to follow that. Yeah. I, like I found that the approach for me creatively is the same way I write a song. Like it's just, there's, there's a certain structure to it, even if it's like a, like amorphous to begin with, but you like my primary sort of discipline uh, is video editing. And so, you know, it's like the beat of a song, the pacing, the, the framing of a shot, indicating an emotion, syncing with a note and all that sort of stuff. And like, the same thing with like, you know, composition, writing a song, you're just like, all right, if this is a minor chord here, or like this is, you know, really heavy uh, drums or something. So it sounds like in much the same way. And again, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like it's the same yeah. thing where like you realize that like, yeah, like this is this is like writing a song, but visually. Yeah. And I, I, I got into animation and now I, I, yeah, I work in After Effects all the time, sometimes too. And it's like, you know, and I think working with editors, working, I've done a lot of now working with editors of video and all kinds of formats. And I always like, I always am kind of relieved to find out that an editor or an animator is a musician because it's just, there's an immediate shorthand and an immediate sense of timing and an understanding that like, there's a lot of, I've worked with editors and uh, animators who are not musicians. And there's an immediate sense of just like being able to speak in timing, the way you talk to a musician that just cuts right to the cuts right to the chase with uh with the musician animator editor um and, and yeah and I, and I felt that same way about just like static design and just and in general just capital g capital d graphic design i was like this is like music i it's just different parameters you know type and color and you know layout and all that stuff. i was like yeah this is I, I know these things abstractly i'll just repurpose so what is your typical approach? Cause I know like graphic design animation is there, do you have an approach? Like it, it I don't want to say is it formulaic, but like, are you even conscious of it or is it totally like an emotional sort of thing where you get, you know, a request for a project and it's just, just sort of second nature because you've written music for so long that you're like, I know that this is going to work. I can't tell you why necessarily, but I just know that this color is good or this line is it is it conscious or do you actually have an approach to it that you're conscious of? I mean, I think one thing that I has been good about getting into design after years of being in music is that music was like really and now I've done a very good job of like unhooking it, but like ego were like one thing for me and it was really hard to separate myself from the quality, my perceived quality of the work that I was making. And in design, I think I just I just promised myself I was like, don't do it like that, you know, and and now I'm, you know, of course it's, you know, everyone is attached to their work, but like now I feel much less of the, like writer's block just doesn't, is not a real thing. And um, if, if you are separated from the process emotionally, I don't think writer's block is like a real thing. You know, it's a, it's ego, your ego stopping you from creating, you know, and 
you know, and, and I, I found that with design where it's just like, I just sit down and I do the thing. And like, it's also like, you know, I, uh, another thing that I think you'll, you'll probably identify with a little bit is like, I have now been doing this long enough that like I do some like designing, but I'm also like, I also like run a team and am a director of other people. And a lot of the design work that I do is a lot more strategic around like talking about what it is that we're going to do and then helping groups of people do that as well as they can, you know, um, which is sort of feels like running a band. And I, and I relate to that and I enjoy that, you know, I enjoy, it's like another thing where I was like, I've been, I've been organizing groups of creative people to make one thing at the same time, like since I was a teenager, like this is the same thing, but right. I don't know if I totally answered your question. Anyway, it depends, you know, like if you're like building a brand from, from scratch, it's like, I go in it, I go in and I start freestyling with type and color and I see the things that resonate and I pull those and I make a mess and then I clean it up and, you know, but then I'm also designing things within a brand and there's existing pieces already. And, you know, it's, it's graphic design. It's sort of different at the same every time. So, so I, th- I think um, not to, to inflate the ego or to blow smoke, but I feel like people take, take for granted and don't really consider the influence of design, right? The, the impact of design on our experience with things. And so what is the importance of design that like people don't necessarily you know, I, I don't want to put you on a soapbox, but it's like, I think, uh, I think it's, but <laughs> yeah, it's, no, yeah, I think it's a, it's a reasonable enough. I, I think I can answer that in a way that I don't find too embarrassing, which is just that like my grandmother, when I showed her, like I did the graphics for uh, an award show, like a film award, film award show called the um, film independent spirit awards. I did like a couple of years of that. Um, and I showed my grandmother the animations that I had made for the category stuff, the show packaging. And she was like, huh, you know, you, you don't think of this as something that like people are, are making, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. Every, someone's making all of it, you know, like all of these decisions are being made in your experience of every single thing you're touching all the time. And I don't know. It's like the importance of design. It's like the built environment, everything. Someone, there's someone's making decisions on everything that you're touching all the time, you know? And so it's kind of just all, it's everything, whether you think about someone making those things or not. I, uh, I also want to give you credit because I had no idea until I, uh, I went to your website and I have to say you were responsible for designing one of my favorite title sequences, Saturday night live. The, was it the 44th season? Like, Oh, the 44 season is an amazing one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I watched that and I'm like, God, this is so cool. I wish like, ah, oh, man, I want to, I want to like, I want to shake the hand of the person. And then when I saw it was you, I was just like, what? what? <laughs> I know this guy. This is, yeah. like, it's like, it's so, it's, it's so good. So I, I'm curious though, like, uh, coming down from that, how, how challenging is it for you now? Um, cause I certainly experienced it where with like the prevalence of, Instagram and filters and just all these apps that just make everything easy. Um, I often say that convenience kills authenticity, right? So it's like, you can just click a button and something happens now. And like, how challenging is it now that people sort of have that expectation that like, oh, I need you to design me a brand from the ground up. Like, what's it going to take you a week, two weeks? Oh, yeah. No, it's the worst. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I think like I had to do this long enough that I've just felt comfortable, like being a, um, valuing my time and making it clear from my actions, how long these 
sorts of things tend to take. And it's, and it's always, it's just a universal experience as a designer. People are like, what's that going to be like? It's like a little thing you do, right? You press the buttons on the computer and you'll just have it in like a couple of days. It's nothing. And it's like, no, it's like a whole process of like coming up with stuff and discarding things and like putting this next to this and then this next to this. And like, you just got to, you know, uh, and I don't know, you know, like I, the place that I used to work where I did the SNL stuff, which is called Pentagram, is like the people that are uh, the, the principals that are the partners there are like the talking heads in the Helvetica film. Um, you know, they're like big famous graphic designers and they are the ones who have these like opinions on like, this is killing design or like Instagram is killing logos. And I don't really know, you know, or like, I suppose I could agree with that sort of thing, but like new things are popping up all the time and using a computer to do any of this stuff is only, you know, a couple of decades old. And when it came around, like better believe that the convenience of that, you know, killed video, video has been killing the radio stars <laughs> since the technology. So like, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm curious too, like, and on the same note, um, you know, with like the prevalence of things like Spotify and iTunes or like any streaming service, music kind of becomes, I mean, there are obviously people like you and me and people who are like huge music fans and like, we'll put on, or we own vinyl and put on a record and like really be focused listening to it. But then there's just that whole, like, you put it on and it's just background noise and I'm not, it's, or uh, people releasing an album it used to be the two year cycle. Right. And now it's like you release an album and after a few months, people stop talking about it. Like yeah, yeah. Fiona Apple put out a record this year, Taylor Swift, Taylor's people were like, Taylor Swift will beat this whole thing. No, Taylor Swift released an album and people stop talking. And it's not that no yeah. one's talking about it, but it's, it's interesting how that's sort of become the case. So, I mean, is there, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just interesting to think about like how you, you made the point about um, the reaction. I think it was your grandmother reaction to your design. And it's like, Oh, someone's behind this. Like, I just think these things happen. Same thing with music, like beep, beep, beep. And then music comes out. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it seems like there's, there's that convergence of those two things, like from a creative space, it's just like, well, these things just happen. Like they're just right. And there's so many people making music and, and you, and in maybe I think I'm pulling the question out of this is sort of like, like what about streaming and like what streaming is doing to our music consumption and to musicians lives and stuff like that. And I think, I think, I, I think it's right. Video has been killing the radio star forever, but like when people are out of a job because of video killing the radio star, like that's going to be hard always. And like, and I think that's one of the things, especially with like COVID killing the concert industry and, you know, and all of the related parts of the ecosystem, like it's, uh, it's just harder. It's just harder than ever to be a musician now. And because everybody has all the access to all of the music all the time, none of it is precious. It's been devalued. And the idea that you can make a living as a musician is, is like exponentially further away now in 2020 than it was in whatever, 2012, when I got my little like wake up, you know, and, and, um, and it, I think it is entirely, it's entirely due to streaming. Yeah, it's like the format. It's such a it's radically different format and a conception of how to in, like engage with music, and it changes the way people listen. It changes the way people think about artists, about artistry, about like the music as content as like a product. And it's just 
it, it, you know, it is what it is and it's making it so that people just assume that people assume somehow still weirdly that like artists make any money ever. Um, and that if you're a musician playing a festival or whatever, that must mean you have made it, but no, you're probably just as hand to mouth living in a tiny apartment as any, anybody, you know, has ever been in that position. Obviously there's the challenges with music, but I think especially over the past few years, obviously design has become, I don't want to say more important, but it's like, how do you get someone's attention? It's even harder now to design for because there's just so much like, and for years, uh, we're just bombarded with ads, with everything, right? And then the smartphone and like user design and everything. What do you think is the challenge for design now in terms of like getting people's attention or having something work? Because um, I feel like it's just, I feel like the the paradigm or the world that you design for now is just like, no one would have ever expected something like this. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, ch- the challenge is I see it as like so many channels. Well, the other thing is like, and you know, uh, if we're going here, might as well go here. Like, what, what do you mean by design? Like, what kind of design? So, well, let me ask you this. <laughs> what, what do you, so what do you design for? Even if you're, like you said, you talk about being emotionally disconnected from, from projects. So you don't get too like you're, you know, you don't get hurt in, in terms of wrapping your emotions and things. I think you consciously set out to design for something. Like there's a purpose behind sort of what you're designing for, whether it's any of the things we just talked about, but what do you design for when you're, when you're, whether you're orchestrating a team or you yourself are designing? Um, well, now I have a very, um, I, I got a, a corporate gig in the last year. Um, and I'm the, the design director, the uh, brand director for a, um, vaccine, uh, a vaccine, uh, inventory tech company, uh, called VaxCare. That is a, a beautiful brand that I designed about a year ago that I've now been implementing across the whole company and all of the things that they do. And we have a small design team and we're like making this, um, like decidedly unsexy, like B2B healthcare piece of tech, um, as compelling and exciting and, and, um, letting it stand out in a space in which there isn't a lot of standing out, um, as possible. And, uh, I mean, you know, this gets into stuff that's like, that feels like almost antithetical to the like, uh, indie rock and music conversations in a lot of ways in, in the sense of like the, this is like my, my day gig, um, but it's also something that I really care a lot about because I really like, um, being a designer and directing people also making that stuff. But I would say in general, it's just like, uh, strategy and positioning of the thing that you're doing is like really knowing what it means, what the thing that you're making means in the space in which you're going to put it, I guess, is the way I think about it. Like in the way that like, I like to have an encyclopedic experience of, music and like to think of all of these things as this interconnected web of, you know, related styles and sub styles and artists influence and things like that. I feel like if you're a music person, you just tend to think in those terms. And like, I think, you know, brand works the same way, you know, it needs to get, everything exists in a matrix of other stuff and you just got to know where you're putting it, you know, within the matrix. Do you think that, you know, as you, you're, you know, several year or what, a decade now into your design career, if not more, or? I think I'm weirdly, I'm more like six to eight years. We'll round up. I'm, I'm, I, we'll round up. Round, yeah, we'll call it 10. Yeah. 
it's just like, yeah, it's only in the last, you know, six or seven years of my life that I get into this, but it started moving very quickly when I got into it. Knowing what you know now, like in, in, and with design and sort of the experience piece, like I know you're still making music, you're, you know, making the more sort of ambient electronic music, but has your experience in, in design influenced your approach to music as well in, in terms of like how you think about the experience of listening to the, and I know that sounds very, um, uh, pont- you know, like I'm pontificating like, Oh, how was the experience the user? But I mean, yeah. I think in some ways, like, you know, as, as artists of any kind, you think about, you know, how is this going to be heard? Is it, if it's headphones, like, is it stereo? Is it mono? Things like that. So knowing what you know now with design, like, do you think it would have influenced your approach to music back in the days of, you know, Harlem shakes and the early stages of arms? I think if I had to get heady about it, because I am heady about everything these days, because it's a global pandemic. uh, uh, I think if anything, the, the, the change in my music um, approach to my like professional direction coincided in this way in that with arms and with Harlem Shakes in particular, and the way I was thinking about pop music at the time was like very much about me and like doing something and like grabbing someone by the like lapels and being like, this is what who I am and what I think and how, and like, here's a fictionalized aggressively like beautiful thing that I'm trying to think. Here's a beautiful special thing, you know? And, uh, and I think in that way, it was really asking a lot of listeners uh, in a way that I am less drawn to doing now. Now I really want to make something that is a space that you can sit in. And even the stuff that I'm making that's on the poppier end of ambient or electronic things, I think it's coming from a place of wanting to create a uh, mood and a vibe that doesn't tell you quite so much. And that it's about me because it's coming from me and it's always going to express something, but thinking a little bit less about that and trying to get at, at things that feel a little more intangible and that I'm not, I'm not just like spinning a poem out of words and like a clearly structured pop song that's indebted to, you know, the Beatles all the way back or whatever, you know, just like from that tradition, like that, that stuff is very much like art, take it, you know, and where the stuff I'm making is more like here, like have some, have some sounds, put them on in the background if you want, you know, or listen closely. I don't really care. Yeah. Well, it, it not to oversimplify, but it's almost like now you, you design or you create without ego, not to say, which is, which is weird to say, because I mean, that's what it's less like. ego. Yeah, yeah. With less ego. But it's so interesting the way that you talk about what arms sort of was or the way your approach was to music is like, I mean, I remember listening to arms like kids of flame. I have, um, Oh, I feel really bad. What was the name of this, the, the record after that? I have it on vinyl and I can't remember. The name. Oh, Summer Seals. Yes. And yes. like, I like all that. I remember I bought that record from you at that house show. I saw you at in DC. I just, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And, and, uh, but like you were like the farthest thing from like, I'm like, oh yeah, this guy's like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm in an indie rock band, you know, it's whatever. I got, <laughs> I got vinyl yeah. records. Like I, I wouldn't have even ever have thought like, oh yeah, there's a lot of ego here. But I mean, I guess in your defense, um, you know, not that I need to defend you, but like I, I think 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more about like you get so wrapped up. You want to share something with the world and you want it to be like a true, authentic representation of yourself. But in that like sort of transaction of like, I'm going to make it and I'm going to release it. You're like, oh, my God, it's out there. And this is this is you got to hear this. You got you got it. You got to hear versus just going like, oh, here you go. Like, I'm proud of it. I set it free. The thing that was so nice about doing design is that it's for other people. And it's not about me and it's about them. And, and that was a really freeing thing of like authorship, you know, where I was like, it's not, I, I can get my like authorship. Yeah. Yeah. out in making music. Like I can just leave that there. Like this is for someone else. What do you guys want? Like, what do you think it should be? I'll make you that, you know? And I think I brought a lot of that kind of like um, the, just the relative, relatively ego less, less, attitude to making music almost like as a survival strategy. Cause it's just like, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I understand like the stuff that I was making would come off would, you know, have qualities that could be described as maybe on like modest or low key or like other things to other people. But in order to make music and, you know, at that time, I think even the people who make the gentlest music, sometimes it can be such a, like intense and wrenching active ego just to make something, you know? And I think that was certainly how it was for me where I was just, I was so wrapped up in the meaning of what I was doing and it was uh, not good. It was just not healthy. Um, and now the, in learning how to do design, I feel like I learned how to relate to music in a way that was a little more sustainable. Th- that notion of like, you get, you spend so much time invested in it and so much just like you just, you care about it so much that by the end of it, you're like, Oh, I really hope someone pays attention to it. Cause like, I'm so proud of it that like, I think people are going to register with it versus going like, you know what? I'm just going to put it out. And what happens, what happens is what happens. And like, I'm not, um, but it's, it's interesting when you talk about the way you talk about design and like designing for somebody else. Um, is it a sense of sort of helping someone, visualize those things that they can't visualize for themselves. Like for, for me, it's always like someone comes to me and and they're like, I want to, I want to do all this stuff. And you're like, okay, I understand. Now my challenge is this complexity that you have here. How do I make it simplistic visually represented, whether it's in a video or whatever it happens to be, is it, is that the sort of your maybe subconscious mentality of it is like, I'm going to help this person translate what their vision is. But yeah, I mean, yes, I, yeah. Uh, I think that's like a really big part of it. Um, I would say that's like definitely one of the nails like right on the head. Um, I think I took a lot of satisfaction in design in part because I realized every time I worked with the designer for an album cover or a music video or just, or whatever creative person outside of my, outside of my like known disciplines, I would, I would just feel like bad and weird a little bit being like, why am I like, I'm, I want the, to do them then to do this thing, but like I'm having trouble explaining and like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to like help get this thing made, get this thing made. Cause I don't really know how they're doing what they do. And I, on some level I realized I just always wanted to be doing it myself um, because I like it because I like doing that stuff myself. And um, once I learned how to do it myself, I, I took a lot of joy then in like helping people who like aren't visually inclined, but they have, product or thing or whatever needs brand needs needs visuals something you know and like helping them doing the kind of um psychology the like 
being a therapist a little bit for them being like, okay, what do you need? Like, what are you trying to say? Like, who are you? You know, and like taking that and making something coherent out of it and giving it back to them and being like, you're this. And then they're like, wow, you're right. I mean, best case scenario. They're like, you're right. That is me. Thank you. I'm like, cool. We did it. You know? Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, that the, that part of the branding thing is something that I always have enjoyed particularly. So, um, with all, with the, you know, the 10 year, the long 10 year graphic design design career that you've had, <laughs> yeah. the, yeah. the music, um, for you, when you just stop and go, what would I, what would be my lesson that I could share with somebody? And it doesn't have to be within the design field, but just in general, like what's the biggest life lesson you've learned thus far? It's hard to say it without it sounding sort of bitter, but I think it's a, I think it's like a solid and hard truth that I, I got out of doing music and going to design and just like living my life long enough, which is that like, if you are an artist, you should never ever expect to get anything out of it apart from what you yourself find in it. Um, that's, that was the lesson that nobody really told me at that time. And I kind of wish I'd been told. And I think it's also a really valuable one, which is like, if you are an artist and you make stuff like do it because you love it and allow that to be the master reason always. Um, and because the second, some other idea, because it, you know, is, I want this to make me a living. I want to get attention back. I want people to tell me, I want to, I want people, I want to feel like people love this music as much as I love this music equal or better to than how I love this music, you know, and I want people to tell me, you know, you're going to, it's going to make you miserable and it's going to ruin your love of that thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree. And I, and I think the other thing too, with that in the different way of saying it, I think is just like, uh, the experience, right? Like, I feel like the more that you, you, you write, you create, compose, you know, if you're always thinking about like the end product, like the song, the record, the release, it's, but it's really about like the influence of that experience of like understanding composition of any kind is like, that's what I think about Tinker Hatfield, the, you know, the mm-hmm. Nike designer, he said in uh, the art of design, that Netflix series in the, in the, I think of the first season, every time he sits down to design, everything he's experienced up until that moment in time influences what he does next. And just mm-hmm. like that power of experience. And like, I always think about that. And I think kind of like what you were saying, it really is about like, don't only do it because you love to do it because otherwise you're already setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. And I think the like process over product is a thing. It's like, find out, find the things that, that are you like unchangingly love about that thing and just like chase, chase that part of it and don't feel, don't give it a second thought as much as is possible. You know? Um, like I think I, I realized like, I just like, um, finishing records. I like making records, you know? And like, that's the part of it that I like is I like, you know, I like having made a record and like listening to something that I made and being like, I made this, this came out of my brain somehow here I am on the other side of the process. And now here's an album and it sits next to the other albums that I like, you know, that is, I would say on balance, like the part that I like the most. And so any part of the process, that's like a pain in the ass, like any intermittent feeling of like this music that I'm making is bad. And I'd be like, yeah, but you love making, having made a record. So make a little more, you know, and you'll get there, you know? And I think that's like, I think those are the, the kind of like Zen um, lessons that I've, um, I've 
told myself, you know, that I've like gotten from my experience over the years. So last question for you, what, uh, the podcast being called in this direction, what, what direction are you headed in next? Like what's next? I wanted to ask before I answer that question, why, what does that name mean? Anyone I've been, I've, I've interviewed, whether it's musicians or, uh, executive leadership of a, you know, fortune 250 or extreme sports athletes, like you listen to people talk and the longer they talk about their experience or what they're doing, you start seeing these common threads. And so, but it sets you on a direction, right? So it's like, uh, you know, oh, I didn't think I was going to be a musician, but I fell into it because of this. Or I didn't think I was going to be a publicist because, but I started working for this paper and I needed to, whatever it happens to be. So, um, honestly, I'm terrible at naming things, which, uh, you know, <laughs> but I, I just, I just, uh, I, I can't remember. It was a song. There was a song that I was listening to and it had something like the, so it was like in this or something. And I'm like, in this direction would be interesting. Cause it's like, I'm talking to people about the directions that they take in their lives. That's the really messy answer to that question. Yeah, I see. I see it though. I like that. And so what direction am I in right now? Or like, where are you headed? I mean, obviously, where are you headed? yeah. Cause like you, you got your master's, you went out to, you went to work for one of like the most premier design firms, Pentagram, you know, you did all like SNL branding and spirit awards. And I know you, you mentioned about Vax care, but like, what is, you know, what's next for you? What, are, what direction are you headed in now? I mean, I, I think I want to continue to be um, like deepening my musical creative practice, you know, as I can uh, and have it be even more like for myself um, because that's just been a, a really um, therapeutic and grounding part of the, like the, this most challenging year. Um, is finding time to do that. I'm always glad that I did. Um, and then, and, and yeah, and just like, I don't, I don't, I don't even really know. And I had to be, here's the thing. It's like, it's weird to talk about a, uh, my like corporate gig, my like corporate design gig, and also my like indie rock career at the same time. It feels, it is, I'm just speaking from inside my own head here. It feels weird. Let me tell you. <laughs> it's, it's like, the, you know, the people that like, I think about, uh, you know, guys that were in like punk bands that are now like working for news channels or like working or like practicing like therapists or something. It's, you know, it's just interesting that like, um, you know, to have those two paths, right. It's like, I, I, you know, like this is my arrangement at work every day, right. Like this is, I'm on Zoom calls and you know, I'm, but I, this isn't like, I have an against me poster back here, you know, but I work for fortune 250. So it's like, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to climb the corporate ladder, but like, you know, that's I. All of these things can coexist and, you know, they, they frequently do. And, you know, maybe maybe more now than they even used to in a lot of ways. But, yeah, I think I think it's like it's just that you've got that like one as, as a musician, you don't you feel like on some level these these things should be as separate as possible. But I think the truth is they all actually relate in these very clear and real ways. And, you know even my like whatever corporate creative director kind of gig right now, like contains within it all kinds of, you know, lessons and practices that I developed in my music career um, without question. Um, I guess, which is my way of kind of like working myself up to say that like, and I'm also interested in like continuing my like uh, design career. And like, I want to like get up, I want to do, I, I'm having a really interesting time at this, this gig. I'm interested in doing this elsewhere at some point in my life. You know, it's like, 
helping a company decide, figure out who they are and how they want to express that on a large level is something that like still feels in its way like it has some echoes of what I was doing before. And that is part of the continuing, ever-changing direction of my life. You know, three episodes in, and uh, I've realized that when I get nervous or I'm trying to collect my thoughts, I tend to say like a lot. And uh, I feel so out of character when I'm generally talking like this, but uh, when interviewing someone sort of on the fly. And also, I, I got to be completely honest with you, uh, and I've said it to, to these folks as well, that I've often been kind of nervous, especially doing these uh, these conversations over Zoom and and it being the first time really trying this out. So uh, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. You know, I started this because I wanted to share these stories. I wanted to learn more about these folks. And I hope you're uh, enjoying the conversations that have been coming out and uh, plenty more on the way. So thanks again to Todd for hanging out. It was great to uh, to chat with him. Uh, like Andy and Caroline before him, uh, you know, I've I've kept up with him, been connected to him for better part of a decade now. And this was the first time that I really, really talked to him and chatted with him. So it was really, really great to, uh, to learn more about his background and his journey from, uh, from musician to, to, to designer. If you want to learn more about Todd and check out some of his design work, as well as music, you can head to his website, Todd, that's T O D D dash goldstein.com. Again, thanks so much for listening. Uh, episode four is on the way in uh, another two weeks. Like I said, last episode, uh, focused on keeping this a bi-weekly series. So I appreciate those who are return listeners. And, uh, if you do want to spread the word, uh, leaving reviews, rating the podcast on Apple podcasts and spreading the word there, uh, definitely helps elevate the show. Uh, you can also find the show online, uh, on Instagram at in this direction podcast, on Twitter at In This Direction. And as always, you can drop me a line uh, via email at In This Direction Podcast at gmail.com. I'm Quinn. Until next time, be rad, stay positive, much love. <laughs>